I feel fine. Um, I was sick for, I mean, one day I really felt it bad, and then it lingered on for a couple more days. Uh, and I'm pretty much better now. I, you might still be able to hear in my voice a little bit of like, it almost feels like I got the tail end of a cold or something, yeah. but fine otherwise. Yeah, this when was, I... this was, right? What? Keith, this was syphilis. <laughs> you were getting over? Yeah. <laughs> you caught me, yeah. <laughs> so just as well as audio only. <laughs> no, but yeah. So, yeah. If you don't mind, I'd like to hear. I mean, I've heard about it, but I'd like to hear. Maybe you'd like to explain how uh, the trajectory of it. You know, syphilis, and all that. The COVID. We're joking about that. Yeah, about the syphilis. <laughs> I'm gonna cut that. I'm gonna cut uh, that out. That bed's getting cut out. We're just gonna leave it. And every reference to COVID's coming out, and we're leaving in syphilis. <laughs> and then I started to feel better after I was diagnosed with syphilis. <laughs> My voice, <laughs> yeah, different voice. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I had um, family was over. Well, my family was together on Christmas, and uh, one of my family members, I guess, was exposed to it before they got here. Uh, they came from out of state, and. Um, and then didn't know that they exposed everyone else. Uh, so they didn't start feeling, uh, they got here on Christmas, didn't start feeling bad until um, the Monday after Christmas. And then uh, I, I felt my first symptoms on the Wednesday after that. And um, uh, they had, uh, so when they, found out, well, they just woke up, felt bad and said, oh, maybe I have COVID, not knowing. Um, and then they tested and got uh, uh, at one of the at-home tests and, and came back positive. So um, I was fine. Everybody else in my family besides, so it was my brother and his wife were here from out of state. Um, they're not vaccinated. I'm not vaccinated, but everybody else in my family is vaccinated. And uh, only the people that were not vaccinated got COVID or at least got symptoms. So everybody else was fine, didn't feel anything. Um, I actually, I didn't even test myself. I just assumed that that's what it was. And uh, well, I've since tested myself. I'm still, I tested myself this morning and I'm still testing positive for COVID. Uh, despite it being a week later and me not feeling poorly at all. Uh, so I don't know what the deal is with that, but I guess it lingers in your system for an unknown period of time. But uh, overall, pretty mild. Um, I, like I said, I had one day, uh, my, the only, re I knew I had COVID one, I, I woke up and I felt like I had a fever and I had a mild fever, like 99 degrees, uh, 100 degrees maybe, and uh, body aches pretty bad. So I had body aches uh, that first day, Wednesday, and um, I also hadn't eaten much either. So um, that was uh, one of the things that is by like the afternoon, by like lunchtime, I ate something and uh, and took my nap like three times that day. 
but I, I did feel like shit pretty much for a full day. Um, and then the body aches gradually went down. By the end of that day, they were not as bad. By the next day, they were even better and uh, took like three or four days for those to go away. Um, but I still have, uh, I don't know, kind of feel like post-nasal drip and uh, a cough every once in a while. But I wouldn't say I have um, like a, it's not like a chronic cough. It's just every once in a while, I got a tickle in the back of my throat. Uh, but I'm breathing fine. Um, didn't seem to have any real effect of me. I, I've been taking it real slow. Uh, haven't really worked out a whole lot. I stopped doing the breath holds. Um, although yesterday I, I just did one just to see if I still could do it and held my breath for like two and a half minutes. And I figured that was enough. I'm still decent at it. So, um, but yeah, just been taking it real slow, uh, a lot more supplementation than I normally do. Um, a couple other just over the counter medications and, uh, I'm back, but I was, don't really carry that high of risk. I don't have any, uh, chronic diseases and I'm young. So, um, I think my case is pretty typical for most people in my age bracket. So what you recommend for people recovering from COVID is six-minute breath holds. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really catch exactly what you said there besides breath holds. but So I'm uh, saying uh, what you recommend to people who are recovering from COVID, your recommendation is six-minute breath holds. Everyone else is dropping like flies. They can't breathe. Keith starts doing six-minute breath holds. Oh, no. Yeah, not not the six minutes. At least two minutes, though. That's how you know you you'll survive it. Yeah, don't want to push yourself too hard. If I guess. Keith can only do a one minute breath hold, he's in the ICU unit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would be actually that would be concerning because it was uh, <laughs> up until that point, it was um, I was doing like four plus minute holds every day, and uh, I just stopped altogether. So um, it actually would be a signal if I couldn't hold my breath that long, but everything seems fine. I still haven't done anything too strenuous, but um, it's all good otherwise. You know, that, I think that's key, just taking it really easy with uh, any kind of, uh, in my experience, any kind of sickness that's below the neck, you know, where you're getting the body aches and symptoms below just, you know, nasal stuff is, uh, really well well serviced by just total rest that's that's kind of like my policy usually i haven't had covid but as far as i know but you know in the past whenever i've had anything like that usually i just take however many days off it takes i had covid in uh, march sorry April, uh, february this year mm. I, had, I had covid before it was popular when it was the real it was much stronger in those days and um mm -hmm. It was quite rough, actually. It was quite strong, but the flu I'd had the year before was also really bad, and, and I thought it was worse. It took about three three weeks to totally clear up. Uh, this time it was like two weeks. I was kind of ill. I had quite a bad, quite a strong fever, like delirium from the fever for two days, uh, and then it just took a long time to just go away. It was kind of there all the time, and someone I know well had it and uh, they have like a health condition and they were a bit, took them a bit longer to recover to them about four or five weeks. So, uh, but yeah, I, I ate a lot of food when I had it. I didn't, I ate more food than normal. 
Uh, I didn't do any any my most the most yeah. uh, exercise I did was sit outside in the sun. Even though it was February, there was still sun for two hours a day. It's great. So I would just sit outside, even though it was, it was a bit cold, but I would just uh, you know close off in the in the balcony, and it seemed to help. And ate lots of food, and uh, I haven't uh, mm-hmm. had problems after that at all. Good. That was uh, one of the things that I was kind of upset about was I wasn't able to get outside a whole lot. Uh, all last week was, well, in my area of the world, was pretty uh, just like cloudy and uh, rainy and stuff. So I, I didn't, wasn't able to spend a whole lot of time outside, um, which was kind of, I don't know, just gave me more cabin fever than anything else. Um and uh, yeah, I've been eating normally too, just like you. Uh, I can't say I've been eating more than I normally would, um, but my taste has never gone away. Uh, a couple of weird things, though. Is, um, one, anything with like vinegar in it or tastes briny or anything like that has this weird, um, I don't even know how to explain the taste. Uh, but it's got this weird taste to it now, weird flavor over it. And it, I normally like all those things. I like um, vinegar or uh, fermented things. I like mustard and, and all that has this weird taste over it that I just can't eat any of it. Um, everything else tastes normal though. And I'm not like my, my taste isn't gone away. Um, and I could smell that too. And a couple of weird things with my smell, like there was a time when I went outside yesterday or a day ago and I could smell the dirt just uh, like in the air. And um, I don't know what to make of that, but um, I don't know. My smell seems to have gotten better and my taste is thrown off in a certain flavor uh, among certain flavor profiles. Yeah, I lost uh, I lost my sense of smell as well. The last went about a week, ten days. It was just nothing, and uh, we were because obviously we were isolating and we had family. We were delivering food to us outside the door. You know, we get a ring on the door, and you would open the door and there's no one there, but there's a big pile of food on the on the floor sitting ready for us. You know, it was great. Didn't want it to end actually. It was quite handy, but the <laughs> so we would like get food like that, and then because we weren't going out and going anywhere there was like a lot of it was like takeaways people were like giving us a, like it was all takeaway packaging and there was like piles and piles piling up after the like week or two and you could just couldn't tell whether the whole house was just stinking of rubbish or not because there was just no sense of smell you know it didn't really care at that point but um uh didn't really apart from yeah got carbon fever as well stuck in it was a nightmare but uh I haven't really known anyone to, to, to like a bad, like a really bad experience on it. I don't know anyone. I just know, I know one step removed from someone and they have like serious health issues. It's like really serious stuff, that person. So it's like, it's doesn't seem, it seems like anything we could have done that to them, not just this. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, no one in my family has had any, um, well, I, I shouldn't say that I had an uncle who was in the hospital for quite some time last uh, over, um, I think it was either over the summer or last spring or something. Um, but uh, other than that, 
everyone that I know that has had it has had pretty mild uh, cases of it. So um, that's all. That's positive news. Good so news. you say the people who had the people who had the vaccination were didn't have symptoms. They got it, but they didn't have symptoms. Is that what you said in your family? I don't even know if they got it. Um, so oh, okay. I just know myself and my brother and his wife all unvaccinated and we all got it and had symptoms and were out of commission for a couple of days. Oh, okay, right. uh, everybody in my family who was vaccinated, um, I think they, well, they're all vaccinated. And I think they all got the booster shot recently too. So uh, they had it and um, or I don't know if they even got it. So uh, I know my mom took a test and she came back negative. So uh, I, I don't even know if they contracted it or not. So maybe the vaccine worked in that case as intended. So what else did, did you notice any? Um, how did you, did it affect you mentally at all having COVID? Or was it just, was it just like a physical pest? Um. Yeah, what do you mean by mentally? Well, like, I had uh, kind of, like, as I said, I had kind of delirium. It was a little bit delirious for a couple of days. Well, not even a couple of days. It was really just like half a day, half at night, and then the next half of day. Uh, and then for yeah, some I reason, I, kind of... I still had a kind of hype fever kind of um, mind. And for, <laughs> this is really weird. I just remember this. I, I started reading. I couldn't read or focus on anything, like, because I was in the fever. And for some bizarre reason, I started reading, uh, which I'm not interested in at all. I started reading uh, Kant, the philosopher Kant, the really sort of heavy, you know, critique of uh, pure reason, or whatever his main one is. And uh, I was just, it was the only thing I could keep focused on. It was almost like the fever and the illness in the body was so intense. The only thing left was like logical thinking. That was just it. And I needed something that was like so abstract and uh, with so little feeling attached to the thoughts that I could follow it through. And I, I think I was following it pretty well. But I mean, I haven't gone back to it. As soon as I recovered, I wasn't interested anymore. But it was really weird because I've no interest in that before. And it just made me think, well, maybe, I don't know, uh, people who like that kind of stuff maybe are delirious. I don't know. Yeah, well, that may be true. But yeah, I, I would say, um, well, I had a, like, the first day when I had body aches really bad and, and the fever, I guess I was um, kind of foggy or just in a fog, um, kind of that fever, delirium. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll have a conversation and see if I'm still kind of foggy. I almost showed up to this like two hours early again. So uh, maybe that is a signal of something. But uh I saved uh, from that period of time. I'll what's show that? this to you. I saved all your texts from that period of time. I'll uh, I'll show this to you. I create an archive of your delirium texts <laughs> with syphilis oh, plastered uh, over. It'll be photoshopped be syphilis yeah, over that, all the words. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Got syphilis at uh, Christmas with the family. The whole family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> uh, oh man Jeez. i don't know did uh uh did i seem to leave i know i took i i was 
not on Twitter a whole lot just the whole time because I don't know. I you must have gone. I, I haven't really done much anything. To leave Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it drove me so crazy. I had to leave Twitter for a little bit. I mean, I was on there a little bit, but I wasn't really sharing or posting anything. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, you're sick. I don't think it's related to COVID, but just sometimes when I, not that I, I probably haven't been sick in years besides this, but um, uh, I don't know. You just feel kind of lethargic and you don't want to do anything. Um, at least that's my experience. Plus it's the time of year too. The weather's been crappy. The days are short and um, just kind of perfect storm of everything to kind of hibernate this past week too. Nothing really goes on, at least in the United States, it's between Christmas and new year's. There's a whole lot of nothing. So, um, I don't know. It was, uh, all those things maybe just added to it where I just wasn't active doing anything. And, uh, that just kind of led to more lethargy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that period between Christmas and New Year's is pretty strange. It's a weird, weird time. A week of Sundays. Yeah, exactly right. What's it like on Cyprus? Uh, you guys, you guys follow the same? It's not even finished here yet. There's still another thing on tomorrow because it's, uh, it's a, the sixth, you know, it's there, Epiphany. Right? Yeah, it's another thing. So there's more <laughs> barbecue dinners tomorrow. We've, we've got two different places okay. to go to. Um, so yeah, but the Christmas isn't really a big deal here. They only just started doing more of the kind of Western Christmas recently, apparently. Uh, like the, yeah. but it's kind of just quiet. It's not really a thing until recently. It's been more kind of Anglified. But uh, New yeah. Year's, New Year's is bigger. Um, yeah, really? New Year's. They seem to get they give gifts at New Year rather than Christmas. That's, well, that was the that was more traditional, as far as I understand. Uh, but I mean, it's Cyprus is a weird country. It's there's there's so many different things here. It's like, you know, the English, the well, English say the English because they call it the English base here, but the British still have large parts of territory here with the army bases, you know, from mm-hmm. when it was part of the empire. They're, like they never left and the whole sections are there. You're, you're, it's not even fenced off. You just, you're walking and suddenly you're technically in England and uh, you need like their, the permission uh-huh. of the British government to, to, to build things and change things. It's really weird. Um, and then obviously there's the 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 north and Cyprus Turkish Greek uh, thing, and then there's um, uh, uh, and then there's the uh, English bases, and um, the so there's kind of a mixed culture. And then there's so many uh, expats, British expats here that moved here over the years that there's kind of you you, you can't tell how much of it's because of them and how much is it because of here it's it's kind of strange but um uh the there's definitely not like the whole kind of frenzied consumer thing that you get in the uk at christmas time there's none of that also it's the weather it's you know it's like i was sunbathing on i think christmas day was sunbathing or was it boxing day i don't remember pretty good and today like this the new year's day was good as well So do you guys have any New Year's resolutions or do you not do any of that? I don't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've tried in the past and they don't really take. 
So, yeah, no, nothing, uh, you know, I don't sit down and write anything or proclaim something. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe quietly in my head, you know, something changes. I don't know. But I can't think of anything right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I don't do a... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, you go. As I was saying that I, I don't do a resolution uh, or I typically haven't. Um, most of the time, if I decide I want to do something or if I wanted to start something, I, I don't wait for a, um, I'm not, I don't wait till the beginning of the year. There might be some other thing that marks that, but uh, not the beginning of the year, typically. Um, I guess an un, never, I didn't resolve to do it, but I mean, these next, uh, in terms of transitionary period, um, for me, what I'd like to do over the next month to a couple months to year is uh, just get my personal training uh, business going. Um, that was something I left my job last October. Um, I was working on some side projects for a while. And then uh, that was up till like the beginning of December. And then I um, uh, had a couple weeks up until Christmas. I was away for a week before Christmas. And then this time period. So now I'm really kind of getting back into things, trying to, um, focus more on that going forward. So what is your plan then with the fitness? Um, that's a tough, well, I'll tell you that what I have been doing for the past few, few days is, uh, building out like a website. So it's not live yet, but, um, I want to get that up. So at least some people have some place to go to look and reference and, uh, have, information on there for what I do. Um, I'd mostly like to do stuff locally, like in person with people, um, not, not a lot of online stuff, but I, I'm, that's something I have to decide if I want to incorporate in down the line, because obviously you could reach a lot more people that way. And um, it's a lot of just figuring out as I go. So there's the website I want to get done. There's certain like legal forms and waivers that I have to uh, create or get made. Um, I haven't, um, filed an LLC yet, but eventually that'll be down the line, uh, to have like a whole business, um, side of things. So those are all things I'm thinking about that I haven't done yet, but, uh, I at least, uh, over time, I want to get the ball rolling on all of them and, and start rolling it out. Um, lock down a few clients. I like kind of what you've been doing, Kevin, where like you have a month where it's, um, or at least it varies every week, and then that's your cohort for the month, uh, and then people sign up for the next month. I, I kind of like the way uh, that's blocked off um, because – one, it, it shows a little bit more commitment. Uh, you could work a little bit closer with people and kind of track their progress better as opposed to doing one session on the second week of October than the third week in November and 
and they can't make it again until January. And so uh, if you get a little bit more commitment, I think it's easier to structure one uh, structure that plan for them and two actually really help people uh, when you have a little bit more um, steady commitment from people like that. Yeah, that's what I found. Yeah, I find it's far, it's worked far better. And um, it also keeps your own head clear. You're planning ahead. Um, so you kind of know you can, right. yeah. you know how many you're people. Less, less scattered. <clears throat> so like I obviously have other people who are booking lessons at random times. If I'd other lessons and single lessons and stuff, but the, the, um, but it's been good for that. It's also good. I think from, from, because I, I like the reason I started doing it was for because it was better for people. But actually, it's probably better from a from a marketing point of view, but not in the way that people normally think. Because they normally think that the it's normally like sell as much as you can up front and get all the cash up front, uh, kind of thing, you know. And that people always sell things in in batches of lessons or uh, batches of sessions or whatever for money. But I wasn't doing that um, because I thought people were learning better when they were coming proactively and they were had an itch to learn and they were like doing it they were performing better um but the by having the start dates like that that's kind of regular every month when people it's in the back of their mind that they want to do it at some point every month now they have to decide whether they'll do it or not they know it's coming they don't have to obviously and then they can just go well it's a it's a possibility they're saying yes or no to themselves so i've had some guys who've done it who were thinking about it for months before they did it and if people come back and do it again, like a sort of more advanced version, uh, and it's like that blocking it in, like you're saying, just focus on that and then, then go and do something else. And like the t a lot of the guys that we're in our kind of sphere are all involved in all different sorts of things as well. You can't keep up five, six, seven different, you can't be learning five, six, seven different things all at once. Your brain just can't do it, not really. Uh, you need to really focus on one thing and then you can go and do something else. And now when you come back to the first thing, it's kind of slightly different because you've learned these other things, you know, so for me, I'll get guys who are, they'll do the posture thing and then they'll go and do something to do with some type of fitness thing or whatever. And then they'll come back and that's kind of now been integrated in with that. Um, and the 30 days format seems to work with that. Um, so far anyway, so I'm quite happy about that. So yeah, I would recommend that. Nice. For, I would recommend that for you for definite because you can really get because the way you teach, the way you uh, structure your sessions, the way you're doing like the sort of experimental and um, exploding uh, kind of way. Uh, you, if a person's not used to that, they're used to like a really rigid program that's just given to them, and you know the solutions there, and they just have to repeat it as opposed to your way, which is more kind of. Um, figuring it out as you go and, and um, developing developing the movements based on one piece of equipment or whatever. Uh, if you're teaching that to someone, they need to build up momentum so they really start thinking like that. So they naturally start doing it. If they just do that a few times here and there, they'll just go back to the old day. But if they do that solid for like a month, it's so much more fun and they're not going to go back to the old day. Right. Um, I think a lot of it is uh, just like you said, conditioning yourself to a new perspective. So you can't do it once off. Um, it's got to become well, more of like a lifestyle thing. And, uh, and a month seems to be a long enough time frame. Well, it, it's, it's like a good time frame because it's not like, it's not eternity. It's so if you don't like it, you only do it for a month. And uh, it's also enough time to actually 
get comfortable um, and uh, and kind of understand what you're doing as opposed to just kind of fumbling about um, for a week or two weeks. So it seems like a good time frame. Maybe six weeks would be a little bit better, but um, I don't know. These are all things that uh, I know works for me and they're half theoretical, uh, but I know it's worked for a few people and uh, it's all stuff that I got to feel out as I go along. But um, so I guess back to your original point, resolution, I don't really have a resolution, but those are just things that I, I'm working on. And if it happened to be June and in the middle of the year, as opposed to the beginning of the year, I'd be doing the same things. Um, but yeah, I don't have a new year's resolution. What about you? Are you, uh, do you do new year's resolutions or Not like figure that, something no. out? I, I usually, um, usually by the time Christmas, new year, but usually by the end of the year, uh, a theme kind of theme will emerge of something I'm going to be, want to be working on or focusing on for the year, but it's not really a resolution. It's more um, focusing on one thing. Like last year was really, last two years really have been more about, uh, you'd say like mastering the craft for me, sort of quietly behind the scenes, getting really good at specific things. And last year specifically making more, being more systematic about what I'm doing, being more, uh, organized about how I'm what I'm doing in terms of the work itself and now this year going forward it's now time to make it more bigger and make money from it and that kind of thing whereas before I've been kind of in a cocoon with it uh I take too long doing everything so I could probably come out of this cocoon about a year ago but, <laughs> but I didn't so but this year will be that because it's just the time it just happens to be kind of new year it's not really it's not really attached to new year I just find the resolution thing doesn't work because you're just attaching yourself to all the energy of other people pretending they're going to do something for a year and then stopping after a few days. You're kind of uh, the wrong wrong vibes to be doing something new, uh, to be doing something. Yeah. And it's not even that meaningful. You'd be still picking your own birthday or something if you're going to pick one day of the year. Yeah. I, I think it can feel nice to... Uh those first few days, you know, you're, you're kind of immersed in this energy of, oh yeah, I'm, I'm making this huge change. Uh, you know, you're thinking about stuff. You're not actually doing anything. It's all kind of uh, thoughts in your head. Maybe things you're writing down and it feel in, you know, uh, that's how it would start if you were going to do it. And so it feels to your body and your mind, like you're really doing it and it feels really good because you're not really doing any hard work. Uh, but then I think you can just, you get, you get maybe maybe addicted to that feeling or maybe that feeling is enough and then you uh you know it fades away and then you move on to something else without ever actually completing it um so i think uh yeah i think i think that's one drawback i mean i've i've experienced that i'm saying you i'm saying you everything i write and talk about is often uh, letters to myself so i think you know i've felt this before and i've realized how futile it is at least for me and how ultimately counterproductive. So, yeah. And nobody, nobody around you is holding you accountable because they're hiding the same secret. They're not doing their own one, so they just don't mention your the fact you're not doing whatever you said you were going to do or stop doing. <laughs> Everybody's like it's the same game. Everybody's yeah. playing. Yeah. Uh, going back to Keith, I, I want to ask uh, what 
because I have some thoughts, uh, and it's just my thoughts, it's not yours, but uh, I was wondering, what do you think your uh, best demographic would be, you know, your target <clears throat> customer? And what do you envision? You know, like the, you, you envision like a total beginner, you know, or like a, a grandma, or is it, you know, I'm just, I'm just curious what you, who you, who you want to be training and who you think your, your uh, methods can actually help the most. Uh, you know, that's a good question. Uh, I don't think that it's necessarily uh, older people, like older than 50, because it, there's a lot of, um, not that it couldn't be, but uh, there's just a lot of other considerations that, um I mean, you might be doing more foundational stuff or uh, getting over injuries and uh, that type of thing when you work with older people. Um, so when you first, the first thing that comes to mind is like people kind of around my age. So anywhere from 20 to 40. And um, one they are maybe, they maybe exercise and work out already go to the gym, um, but they're kind of bored with it and they don't know, they, they kind of fall back on and off the wagon. They, um, they're, oh yeah, I worked out for a little bit and then I took a month off and I feel like I should be getting back, just really go running right now. And that's all I do. Uh, and I don't really feel like doing that the whole time or for the rest of my life. So um, in terms of demographic, I would say someone in the, whatever decade preceding or succeeding where I am at 30, um, interested in trying to find a new way to, um, approach exercise and, uh, and who haven't, uh, people who think exercise is a chore and have seen it enough to know that it doesn't have to be. Um, so, uh, that's your copy right there, right? What you just said. That's great. You know, all that. I think that's good copy. I'm good. I'll, I'll have to refer back to the, yeah. uh, I like to it. the recording, but, uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, um, I don't know. I don't necessarily, I think the approach that I have can help people like if, if you're an athlete and you want to do certain things or you have a certain sport you want to get better at there's a not that i train specifically for one sport but you will get more athletic uh, i think just by doing some of the things that i i do um so it can be helpful and beneficial and um i mean i i think I'd, I'd like to think that i have enough understanding to help people if they want to go in a specific direction too like if you're training for something um i mean i've trained for uh races and obstacle courses and stuff like that um so i mean it, stuff that i've done in the past but uh that i've since been able to apply the exercise movements i do to a more broad category of things but um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's who I'm geared towards. Um, it's pretty much people like me. So, <laughs> uh, and anybody you could, that's a lot of people actually. So there's a lot of people that, um, I think could benefit from it. I don't 
it's not that I wouldn't be able to help work with, but it would be a lot slower, uh, especially if I help someone just over like the course of a month or six weeks, someone that's not really exercised ever before. Um, there is, I mean, I, I could do like foundational work with people, but it's not, um, it's, I, anybody could do that. So uh, there, there's a lot of stuff that you could just go to LA fitness or wherever and get a trainer there and, and you'll get that foundational stuff where you're just learning to uh, whatever, get your heart rate up a couple of times a week and, um, and all that. But again, I think my approach is a little bit more integrated as uh, we talk about on this podcast to um, maybe it would be beneficial if people were at least uh, into exercise at least one point in their life before working with me. Do you have uh, any, I mean, I'm all seeing this from my perspective, so that's all. Um, I, I obviously only have my perspective, but uh, based on what you know about me, um, do you have any thoughts beyond what I just explained there? It was pretty close you to what I was thinking. Pretty close to what I was thinking, actually. Uh, uh, I think uh, I think your stuff would be really good for, you know, guys who've really spent the last maybe five to ten years just kind of doing the, the the typical, you know, compound lifts with a barbell. You know, like focusing on just pure strength, like pure unadulterated strength. Yeah. You know, deadlifts, squats, and whatnot. Because um, you, because they have that base level of strength. But I find with a lot of those guys, they're very stiff and kind of almost uncoordinated, you know, uh, yeah. like they have trouble expressing that strength. I mean, they have they have, you know, sort of great fundamental, uh, I guess, like if you were doing an RPG, they'd have just really high strength and constitution. But, uh, you know, I think they could learn dexterity and, uh, you know, maybe even charisma or something, you know. Um, charisma? And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like the uh, physical charisma, you know, yeah. ability to interact with the world. And, uh, and so I've never I heard that, that before, but physical charisma, that's a, it's an interesting yeah. thought. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And it kind of came out. There's not much thought behind it, but uh, I think it has, yeah. it has something. There's something yeah. there. You know, but I, they could really improve their, uh, their overall athleticism and health by focusing on more of the, moving in different planes of movement which is what you're what you're mm. doing you know it's not it's not so linear and because uh, it's like yeah how much stronger do you need to be you know how much like you're at two times body weight deadlift uh i don't know unless you're competing for something how important it is to get that up to 2.5 or 3 i think there's a lot more interesting things you can explore a lot of them would struggle just to run a mile. They'd struggle to run a mile if, yeah. for the first time. I mean, mm. you're really unfit if you, you're not. You can't call yourself fit if you can't run a mile. And I've gone. You know, it's like yeah. uh, it's easy to forget it for people. They really forget that running is basic. Uh, and it's also uh, like it. I've always thought it was weird that mm -hmm. guys who get into like the survival kind of mind, mindset, like they're going to be, you know, like smart marks, and they're going to be the guy. They think they're just like pumping the weights all the time. That it's just going to be this uh, fight between these big, strong guys, 
if you're in that kind of situation, you're going to have to be doing a lot of running, especially if in an urban area. You're going to need to be able to run a lot. So you're really not prepared for the shit-hitting fan, as they say. If all you've got is strength, you it's useless. Not useless, but, you know, it's on its own, it's, it's won't last long. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for you, Keith, uh, I think you're... Enough, the, thi- yeah. the thing that makes it different for you, your thing different, Keith, I think, is the the philosophy of... Um, I just love this. Choose one piece of equipment for the day and then just work things around with that. That is it's so deep and so it seems so obvious, but I don't, I haven't really heard people say it like that. And um, yeah, and it's not even just a single, like, I don't necessarily even have a piece of equipment, but it's like, how do I want to use my leg today? Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, so I, I, I would classify leg, leg as a tool. Your leg is a tool. It's a tool for moving you around to, you know, get food or other things beginning with F. And um, the, your, your way of, uh just going about doing that it just it uh, spills over into lots of things uh that kind of experimental and it it's it's that again we were talking about before about the it's meaningful and it's fun it's your that's a whole side of your health and fitness that you can't really it doesn't come in sets and reps uh but you know it uh you know it as a kind of happy side effect of what you're doing rather than directly trying to get it it just comes to you um, over time and um, your thing is like that like uh, to me that's what makes it instantly sound different it, it makes me think if someone is coming across it and everyone's always saying what's well, different about this guy's thing you know you're looking for some new thing or whatever that's the thing I would lead with for you for if, if it was me I think uh, because yeah. I'm gonna uh, have to go back and take notes on this episode myself because uh, <laughs> these are just things I um I guess I talk about express, but it's when you hear other other people explain it to you, it clicks in your head a little bit different. It's doesn't see, it seems, it doesn't, it's so obvious to you because you do it every day. You don't realize it's a, it's a thing. Uh, Probably. I don't know. It'll be easy to find this episode anyway. Remember this is the, this, this is the syphilis episode. You'll be able to find it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to call it that. If I can figure out how to spell okay. it, yeah, yeah, that's that's, uh, that's going to get a lot of clicks. Oh man, you know, I mean, because uh, really, the the fact is, is that your average guy who hasn't, who doesn't really exercise, doesn't even go to the gym, is not going to be all that interested in yeah. doing some of the crazy stuff you do. And and those people, oh, when, they do, when they do, when they do want to train, they want to like see results in the mirror. You know, they want to lose weight, they want to get bigger muscles instantly. And uh, that's why I think targeting people who already have that, who have that base level, but then want to do something differently. Uh, I think that could be really, it could be really ripe for the picking. Um, I know when I, I, uh, I used to do move not stuff with Erwan LaCour, you know, his, his system of training and most of the people, yeah, most of the people who got really into it and were, you know, like the trainers and, uh, you know, really enthusiastic, they're all, they all had backgrounds of, things like CrossFit, um, powerlifting. So they're all in, or like, you know, sports. So they're already in really good shape, but they had reached a point where, you know, what else do I do? You know, now I want to be able to move through the environment. And I think you could kind of target the same thing. Yeah. More experienced people anyway, it's more fun for you anyway, I'm sure it'll be, because I think your thing, Keith, is going to be really tailored to the individual person. Because you need to know what's what um, 
what do they have around them to use? You know, what's where can they work out or whatever? There's like it's quite specific, you know, yeah. and then you, you can tailor things, design things based on what they have around them. Are you at the shore? Are you like are you in the woods? It doesn't, you know, whatever it is, middle of a city. Um, and if you're if it's you're tailoring to people like that, then it's more hands-on specific to a person. So it's going to be more time for you. So it's going to be more expensive for them. So it's going to have to be people who are more serious. And if they're more serious, they would already be doing some type of thing already. And this is their like Eric saying is that they're like the next evolution of yeah. what they were already doing, rather than some guy who's like looking for the like a yeah. magic bullet to to get rid of his gut or whatever. Um, and then yeah. like there's all sorts of like like you know like for your for your thing, Keith. I mean, there's it's just I mean people just like talking about things that they've got this thing around the back of their house that they used to do this, and there's this cool place at the park has this cool climbing frame. They do this thing and all that kind of shit. People have. Uh, you, like some guy just starting is not going to go and start swinging on the kids' play park. Uh, you know he's, he doesn't like yeah. he doesn't want to walk. He's embarrassed walking. Um, so you know people are talking about well look at that guy. Well, they think they are. Obviously they're not. Well, some people are maybe. But um, uh, yeah. So for you, Keith, like the you could easily combine the 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 in person stuff locally yeah, it, with an be- online aspect. Yeah, one of the things that um, one of the things that I really never understood is the people that um, like they were always so ha- like five times a week for an hour uh, or two hours or whatever, and everything is such a like a slog to get through like I, I got that i ground that one out i, I got it done i just uh, get it done and move on with your day so it's never been a it's it just seems like a poor relationship and i i think one of my goals if you if i was to lay it out as to like what i would want to help people do or change is to have a better relationship about these things is not just um uh like you don't have to be so um, I don't grind set mentality about it. Um, just, yeah, I got my five miles in today and now I could get on with the rest of my life. Um, so I would like my overall goal would be to have more of one, an enjoyable thing two more intuitive where it's not like you don't have to discipline yourself into doing these things. You obviously don't like them and you're just forcing yourself to do them because you think it's going to make you healthy. But if you can learn to uh, adopt certain modes of movement and exercise that are just built into your life, um, that always just appealed to me more that it's like, that's, you don't have to struggle against yourself. You, you work with yourself to live in a more healthy way. So I think that's kind of like an overall like uh, philosophical goal of what I'd like to do or help people with is to actually get them from the discipline yourself into being healthy to uh, um, kind of be more, um, I don't know, 
I guess the word is integrated again to, to do it where you don't have to force yourself uh, over and over again for months on end or years on end um, to be healthy. You, you just, these things are built into the way you live your life. And um, I mean, of course you have workout sessions, but they're more fun and, and playful than, than anything else. So uh, that would be an overall goal for me uh, into like, if I was to say what I want to actually accomplish is to just transition people into that more um, a different mindset about what exercise has to be. And it doesn't have to be battling yourself all the time to try to be healthy. Um, it can be something different and, and you can make it more of an intuitive thing as opposed to a disciplinary thing upon yourself. So how would you teach? So if someone, so you're quite an intuitive person anyway. So how would you, how do you teach this? Uh, intuitive way of going about it to someone who isn't really like that, you know, someone who they're just, they're wanting the program, you know, they're wanting, say that they're used to the, they're open to this, they're coming to you, they're open to doing this way and they need, they want new skills and um, that they don't have, but they're kind of still stuck in that. I need a program. I need to know what to do, what do I do next kind of mentality. How would you go about teaching that? That's a good question. And uh, I think you brought it up before, but it is a little bit different for everyone because what I would like to know is like what they're doing now, um, what they don't like about what they're doing now, what they do like about what they're doing now, um, how their life is. I mean, some people just, they have, uh, they got to be at work for however many hours a day and you can only fit it in so many ways. And, uh, sometimes people, they got to be sitting at a desk. So, um, a lot of it is asking questions about like, where are they at now and what they can change and, um, how you could work with those things. And then, um, to actually get someone to up and like doing something different, uh, it's, it's like, um, Oh man, it would be akin to like a, uh, a physical interview. So if you had some, someone and I say I was working with someone and, and we have a kettlebell and, uh, I would just open-endedly ask like, what, what's the first you, you have your kettlebell. What's the first exercise you go to? And obviously, uh, 90% of people are going to go with just the standard kettlebell swing. And then like, I'll just try to see, try to nudge them in certain directions to see like, okay, can you swing with one arm between your legs? Can you swing with one arm outside your legs? Um, what's something, uh, what's just an odd way of using it that you never thought to use it? Like you could just stand on a kettlebell and now you're working on your balance. And if you try to squat on a kettlebell, you're working on your balance and you're doing squats. So um, I think getting people in, uh, having them come up with novel ways of doing it themselves is going to be better than me trying to teach them how to do it. But to, to kind of guide them in a few sessions at a time, how to do that can, you start thinking in a different way. And, um, I mean, people are, uh, they kind of run the spectrum of like how creative they're going to be or how, how much they do need a set program for following through on these things. But um, I mean, that, that to me is part of the program. Um, like if, 
if I'm working out with a group of my friends and, and I say, all right, well, now you come up uh, with the next thing and um, or I'll give them like, here, here's this and uh, what are we doing with this? And they know like they get the game is like, OK, you can't just do the standard thing with this. You have to do something a little wacky with this. And I think uh, as soon as you open people up to that, they they're more creative than you would think otherwise if you're just giving them all right, 20 push or a set of 20 push ups, and then you do a uh, sprint a quarter mile, come back and do 20 push ups, sprint a quarter mile. Like, um, you just have to frame it where people like the goal is actually to be more creative and do the exercise more creatively than to just get it done. So, that that's, um, I'm rambling on it quite a bit now, but uh, because I'm just playing these scenarios out in my mind. Um, but I, I think that's how I, well, that's how I do work with people on that level. Um, and a lot of people pick up on it. Some don't just because um, it is what it is, but you're not going to be hundred percent with everyone. So um, that's where I would start with people. One is finding out how you could work these things into their life, how, how to, how, how they could be more physical throughout the day and uh, to make them uh, or at least open up the, the possibility to try all these things where it's like the, the ask is not to do the action. The ask is to come up with the action and then uh, come up with a novel action. That's, that's the actual uh, exercise there. And then you perform the, the novel action. Uh, as opposed to just being told what to do and do it. I mean, th there's certain elements of what I do that are just like you do a lot of reps and you're work you're you are working out, but there's a little there's something extra there, which is uh, a creative um, path to to doing it. So it is um, it's a little bit more thoughtful than just um, max out this or uh, lift that, do X number of reps. Love it. Yeah. yeah so it's like a dialogue. You're really good. If you, nail it. you nail it, man. Yeah. Yeah. It is more of a dialogue. Like, and you're I think drawing that's, with like it almost has to be for people. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has to be if it's actually going to work. Like the person for what I want to help people learn they're not going to learn it any other way other than doing it themselves. So it's, it's not something that I can, it's something I could help guide people through, but it's not something I can dictate to people. So, um, and it, that's really going to be more beneficial over the long term too, is like if they could come up with these things themselves and, and become self-reliant on themselves, make me obsolete pretty much. That's the best case scenario for them because that's something that they could actually build a healthy lifestyle off of. And I think, Kevin, you, you kind of said the same thing. I mean, during the couple of sessions I had with you, I remember you saying, like, my goal is to teach you these things so you can do them so you don't need to come back to me all the time. Yeah, that's my, my business model is many people, short period of time, not have them come back every week. I said it, uh, what I was talking about was similar to what you've told me in the past is that you... Oh, yeah, the business... Yeah, my business model. Yeah, that's what I said to you. My business model is many people, people for a short time. That they don't need you. Yeah, and then I want them to be able to do it, go and apply it to their own thing and go off and do it. I don't want them to come into me for treatment. I don't like 
when I first started working in this field, I was the treatment guy. Like they would come and get the fix and go away and then come back. And it became a kind of pl pleasure thing. Uh, and then obviously some, the whole business models are based on this, getting people to come back repeatedly forever while thinking it's a solution. How can it be a solution if you to keep going back to the person? doesn't make sense. But anyway, the uh, so yeah, so I want people to learn it as quickly as possible and do it themselves. But the, you know, there's no shortage of people that need it. So I'm not like trying to squeeze every single person, but the to learn it for what the way I teach it, yeah, they have to. It has to become from inside them. And a lot of the stuff, it's like truly psychophysical. You can't, like I talk about this, using the elastic structures of your back and your torso as springs and stuff. The springs don't just work by themselves. You have to, like your conscious intentions of the movements of your bony parts around to change the shape of your body are what sets the conditions for the springs to work. And you can't have that done to you you can't it won't just happen by itself it has to it's your conscious intentions it's literally only you can do it for yourself um maybe our ancestors had it naturally i'm guessing they did at some point but it's been a long time since we have from what i can guess so this is just the way it is for us and um if the person doesn't want to learn then they just can't learn it because if you don't want to learn something you won't apply your conscious intentions to it and it's the same as what you're saying i think that you the person needs to want to explore the different movements and uh, ideas, or they're just, they won't, if they're wanting to just get it done and move on to the next thing, then they won't get it done. It's kind of like a, a, a catch 22. Right. I think that's a really yeah, smart yeah. way for you guys to approach your business because uh, it's a really, it's sort of like coming from a, a sense of abundance, you know, I think that, like you're, you're actually doing it because, you know, you want people to get better for themselves and you don't want them to need you. And because, you know, you have many more people to help, you know, that's, a, I mean, like, that's just, but like, I do have people who are like hardcore people and this is their thing and they keep coming back and they'll, you know, and I'm kind of teaching them towards them teaching others too. So like, I have that going on that is, but that's like a small minority. That's not like, those are kind of, I think they're more just, I, like I think I don't really call it clients, I call it pupils, the people I'm giving lessons to. And then those people who are learning it to teach it themselves later, probably, or in their own way or their own version of it. Uh, I think of Kevin, I'm not really hearing you very well. It, um, well, I, I guess to bring it back more to like a philosophical point, one of the things that we were going to talk about today, uh, which we kind of have already, was um, just in this past conversation is doing the work yourself. Um, so any of the concepts that I think we talk about, uh, even the experimentation in terms of uh, you're experimenting with your posture or uh, trying to learn about like what's more, like in a more ancestrally appropriate lifestyle um, or me with uh, fitness or anything. Um, I think a lot of what we talk about uh we also try to do um and that you have to actually act these things out and if you're only doing these things through like intellectual uh enterprise that you are missing out on a lot of them and you may not actually get the point of what's working like it, you have to go through do the work and see what works um as opposed to just thinking thinking about something and um 
it even harkens back to what Eric said about the New Year's resolutions. Like a lot of times people, just the act of uh, thinking about it is enough to quell that, um, the initial drive in your mind, and then you end up not even doing it. So uh, it's one thing to think about it, but then to follow through and actually try the things that you're talking about, um, that's actually the most important part. And it's the obvious thing that uh, a lot of people uh, miss or they just think it's too difficult or um, they get the uh, uh, psychological comfort of thinking. Maybe I'm, maybe it's not quite the way you're thinking, but uh, so out here there is a, uh, what they call a king tide where the water and uh a friend of mine and I had been thinking about going out. Like we were waiting for this king tide. There are schedules you can follow. We were going to go and just go foraging for uh, sea urchins because there's a certain spot where you can do it. Um, and you know, usually they're they're covered by water, but this king tide is going to drop so much that you know there's presumably you know thousands available. And uh, I was, you know, I, so I'm a. I like to. I research a lot of things. I mean, it's it's part of my work. So. I was, you know, looking up like, oh, what's what's the best way to uh, to pluck it to like harvest a, a sea urchin? You know, what, once you get it, how do you how do you break the shell? How do you uh, extract, you know, the the edible portion and how do you preserve it? All this stuff. And so, and I realized like, and and then at one point I looked at the time and it was like, man, the king tide is about to start, and I'm fucking sitting here on my phone like researching the best ways to take advantage of it. And I realized I just needed to go. And uh, I went out and, uh, you know, I didn't really, I'd never done it before. Um, but, you know, and I, the first few, I, I fucked up and I broke, you know, I broke the shell, ruined it. But then I just got out there and started, you know, I, I, I filled a whole bucket full of sea urchins. Um, when I got home, I was, I wasn't quite sure how to harvest it, how to actually eat it and you know what i should do how long it would last but i i just actually just started breaking them open and you know i ate about 10 of them and uh and then i just figured out a way to to turn it into butter you know the stuff i didn't eat i just processed it with uh, butter and then froze it but i i could see myself i was on the verge of just kind of i was almost frozen with uh you know there's a phrase decision fatigue you know what's the best way to to open the shell what's the best way what tool should i use to pop it open to get it off the rock and just getting in there and kind of uh you know i ruined a, a few of them i didn't i wasn't highly efficient but in the end i learned how to do it and now next time i'll be ready to go and so uh, that that's a very physical example you know of what you're talking about yes. but i easily could have just totally ruined it and uh not gotten any at all yeah what, what do you think is the biggest thing um like if someone finds themselves in that uh in that phase like the decision fatigue where you're just trying to research and figure out the best thing and you're not actually doing it what, what's the best thing that if someone finds themselves in that state to break out of it and just get started on something uh go for a walk you know physical movement actually just move through space and time and uh 
you know, for, for one thing, moving through like actually physical movement will slow down your perception of time. So you'll have more time to do this shit, to think about it and figure out what you're going to do, you know? Um, and I think there's, I mean, there, you look at all the, all the great thinkers and artists and creators of the world throughout history. They've always, you know, they were major walkers. Like they would go on, they would, most of them would walk every day for miles, you know, uh, some of them would, you know, take notepads or something, but I mean, uh, and it, it's weird because it's a, it never really, uh, it's something you have to force yourself to do because it seems so irrational. Oh, I have this problem right here. I'm going to go walk away, go walk somewhere else to deal with it or to find a solution or to make a decision. But really walking, walking really always works, you know, because you're outside, you're in the sun. Uh, you know, there's stuff like blood flow, your brain is increased, you know, your blood glucose control goes up, which all plays a role. But uh, so for me, it's just, you know, whether that's walking or it was just getting in the car and driving to the beach. So it's just kind of, you just have to like kind of snap your fingers or stand up and be like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to start moving. I mean, that's, there's no easy answer. Well, it's, it's an easy answer, but it can be hard because so many people don't do it. Well, it's a simple answer, but not easy. Yeah. Yes. It's to do simple. with movement as well, because people, a lot of people get the best ideas in the shower or, mm-hmm. you know, like, so like they or in the treadmill or whatever you hear people saying this in the, when they're at the gym or whatever. Um, or on the toilet. <laughs> exactly. You're making your movements. And um, so you, it's something about movement and it may, it may be also that you, sometimes when you're stuck with a problem, it's because you're stuck. You've been physically stuck in one place. So that's why the problem exists. So when you go back, when you walk, it's not that the walking solves it. It's that you, you're now out of, you've stopped doing the thing that was making you stuck. So like the walking is the normal thing, but we think of it as the go for a walk as a, as a yeah. uh, to fix it. But yeah. actually you're, you're fixing it by stopping being stuck physically yeah. and mentally. Um, but yeah, like the the walking thing's huge. The like it's so basic, so ob- it's so it's so obvious. It doesn't seem like it would work, but it works for almost everything. Uh, I like to like tr- really focus learning something really intensely for a while, and then just completely drop it and come back maybe a week later, and then start trying to do something with it a week later. And it kind of gives your brain or whatever time to uh, digest it or make connections or whatever. Um, that you can't really see at the beginning, you know, like you read, it's just the same as reading a book a second time. You, you've now a different person and you've made new connections and then you come back and read it. Now you've got new understanding. It's the same with learning something, I think. Uh, but yeah, at some point you have to just do it and make a balls up. It's just inevitable. You have to like kill a, you have to wreck a few sea urchins before you have dinner. You do. It's uh, the old, the old proverb, you know, <laughs> Yeah, we all grew up with that that sea urchin, you know, aphorism. It's a, I think it spans all cultures, actually. <laughs> yeah. Man, you know, I think uh, movement of, I mean, you move your moving your body is the most immediate way to do it. But I think just any kind of, like, you need motion. Like you could be like you're in the shower. There's all there's just water flying through the air. Uh, I think you need the sense of things flying past you, through your periphery. I, whether that's because you're walking, running, or uh, even, you know, a train ride or something. Uh, you're just sitting there with, with the environment, with the 
countryside rushing past you uh, or a car ride. Um, I think uh, motion is life. And I think that's where I think you just have to get motion in your life, whether it's uh, obviously you have to move your own body. But I think any kind of motion, you know, sitting at the beach with the waves rolling in, it's it, it's alive. It's, it may uh, also be one re- one of the reasons. So, uh, sorry, it's just, it might also be one of the reasons that people like sundown, sunset, is because it, it you it's moving really fast towards the end. It's noticeable mm. the movement, so it's like you're yeah. really time is now alive in that few minutes or whatever. That uh, it doesn't seem like that during the day. You d- you don't notice it obviously. Mm. Um, obviously, there's other things going on at sunset, but it's. Uh, and it, it, well, it's a similar thing at dawn, but it's it's a different. It kind of it stimulates a different kind of thought in the morning, yep. I find, than it does at night. But um, you know, like uh, that. Rain, rain. I don't know. For instance, I love uh, like riding on a rainy day. You know, where you you hear the rain overhead. It's hitting the wind, the the glass. You can just step outside for a second, take a little break, and kind of just take it all in um yeah i think uh any kind of when, when you're confronted with uh the primacy of the environment in any way uh it just i think yeah that's what we need i think that like you said the walk walking solves everything and i think it nature solves everything too and if I think, think we, we evolved with all of our problems where in the environment, you know, we even call it the environment as if it's a thing separate, you know, but like the, all the problems were in the environment, whereas now we're, our problems are kind of in this simulated reality that we have and uh, going back out, it obviously just puts us in the natural habitat or whatever for solving problems. You're now in real problem solving mode you're, and it makes mm-hmm. it easier to solve the simulated problems as well. So all you need is a few trees in the metaverse, and now you're fine. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I don't think the early iterations will work, but you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll get it down. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I doubt it. Hmm. I mean, yeah. Well, I guess we'll wait before we'll wait for Ryan to be on for me to talk more about it. But I think there are some good applications of. Uh, metaverse type stuff that could work, that could enhance, you know, that could, that could enhance your ability to uh, get things done in a real meaningful way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll save that for when he's on. <clears throat> yeah, I remember, uh, so I tried a, uh, I bought this device. It's sort of like a, uh, a laptop table that you strap you wear over your neck and it's like a little platform that just sits in front of you and you know <laughs> the idea is that you can just uh, it's like a standing desk for wherever you go <laughs> and so uh that it works okay for that like you're just standing somewhere and but there's no table but you want to you don't want to sit and you want to write but i use i try to use it on a hike uh so there's this uh there's this really good trail near me that has good cell phone coverage so i had a wi-fi hotspot in my back pocket which is probably not good for my you know my health but uh 
so I had that going and then I had the the portable stand-up desk and I had the laptop and I was trying to walk and uh and write you know <laughs> and uh you know California it, guy thing I've ever heard <laughs> yeah <laughs> I still have it but it it just didn't work because uh, like I was really hunched up and it was really unsteady and uh so that didn't work but I mean the idea is sound and I think you could use some sort of um ar device to maybe write while you walk that's that's one application i would probably use you know like a sound a, device a you mean? floating keyboard you know you're wearing some sort of goggle and there's like a floating keyboard as you like in front of you you know that's projected by the glasses oh okay yeah you go hike and uh and kind of dictate or write as you go so that's one thing i could see working pretty well You know, I don't know exactly, you know, you probably wouldn't have to have your hands up like this. You could probably just kind of touch, touch type wherever your hands are. Well, so you're like, the- you're passing someone on the trail and you're like, get the fuck off my space bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They hit, <laughs> they hit delete and delete it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how it would work, but uh, I don't know. Okay. Maybe Ryan has some. Uh, yeah, some I don't know stuff. if I like that. It's just too too much at the same time. I feel like if I'm going for a hike, I want to go for a hike. If I'm going to sit down and write, sit down and write. But yeah, I tried like an audio, like record, like voice recordings of notes and stuff instead of notepad and pen, and I just couldn't get it to work. You know, having all these ideas as you're walking, and then I tried to speak them, and it didn't work. That, that working really them well. on to the next thing now but for some See, people works it works well. that works well for me the only the only problem is is the uh translation is really bad you know like it'll just be all jumbled so i think if you just get the dictation part down like if the technology improves or maybe i'm not enunciating you know maybe it's my fault but uh so i've actually used that to write rough drafts of things you know where i'll be out like hiking or taking the dog for a run and I'll just be kind of jabbering to myself and uh, I come back and you know I send the file to my I forward this file to myself and I look at it and I just edit it and I get something pretty much done in like an hour so I have you know I get 2,000 words down and it's kind of it looks kind of insane but there's a there's sort of the meat of a good of good writing in there so uh, I, I, I know it would work for me, maybe not for everybody, but I think there's a, I would definitely buy that. Yeah. If your process is then to go home and then edit what you have, now you have the meat and then you're sort of car, car, carving it um, mm-hmm. and you're expecting to do that. So you're not worried about it, putting it. Yeah. I think maybe I was trying to put it together crisply while speaking, which was the wrong way to approach it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's worked pretty well. I'm working on something now, and uh, I haven't actually sat down and written. It's 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 I haven't sat down and actually written much, but I have just have all these voice notes that I've, di- I've converted to text, you know, all over the place. And I actually have a good, like a decent skeleton of what I'm gonna finish with. So I'm pretty happy with it. It, it seems to work for me. 
and I'll, those are often done, you know, if I'm driving or walking somewhere in the wilderness, you know. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. The, uh, I think, well, coming back to the, uh, I guess the topic we were talking about um, in terms of uh, actually doing the work and maybe like the barriers to making it from a, uh, like doing things theoretically to doing them in action would be uh, just to lower all the barriers. I mean, the, what came to mind, Eric, is you just, um, uh, if you're doing a voice recording, it's just a very low barrier of entry into actually moving something from in your head to on the paper or on the computer um, because it's, it's right there and it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be a big long thing or a whole production. You don't have to sit down and say, Oh, I'm going to sit down and write for the next hour. Uh, it could be an idea that pops into your head and all of a sudden you capture it and that's your little, uh, that gives you a little footing. So, um, what, that's the idea that came to me is if, if you could lower your barrier to entry to actually doing any type of action doesn't have to be writing. It could be anything, um, but that you want to do as opposed to just thinking about it. What's the, uh, this is probably something we've mentioned before, but what's like the smallest first step you could do on something. Um, that seems it's a very Tim Ferriss type thing. I think I probably heard him say it like a decade ago, but uh, there's truth to it. You do whatever is going to get you an inch closer and not cause you to stagnate. Um, and that kind of gets you, gets the ball rolling on taking actions on things. And then over time, those things just, uh, it gets easier to take bigger steps on different things, but you get over that initial like discomfort or, um, uh, who's the author, Stephen Pressfield, he calls it the resistance for creative work, um, yeah. in the war of art, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's the same idea that I'm sure many people have stated before, but uh, it, it's it's kind of true and it's helpful. Like if you could get over that little initial thing that has you caught up in your mind and um, give yourself easy entry points into whatever you want to do, it, it makes it, uh, it makes it easier to, to get that momentum going. I like Absolutely. thinking about it like uh, as uh, creating the next problem, you know, so you're finding the smallest thing to keep the momentum going is to find something that will make something happen that now you need to react to it. You're, you know, like it can be like basic as sending a message or an email and you know, they'll reply now it's in motion. So at that point in time, just when you're thinking about doing it, if you do something now you for like you've lost the kind of emotional dry impulse or whatever. But now someone's replying to you about this thing that you suggested and now it's in motion and you just kind of go with it. I find that helps rather than trying to have this big plan and start executing this plan up front and I just, none of that works. I just like, what's, what's the best problem? What's the best problem I can create for myself that I need to solve that by solving it, will get closer to the thing. So like, I mean, I even used that with you, like when, when I contacted you guys about uh, starting this, because I've been thinking about podcasts for ages and it was in the back of my mind and I was like, 
still not sure how we do it or how it would work or any of that. And I just thought I'll just message you just now and then it'll happen. You know, that's all I need to do now. If you're interested, it's going to happen. It'll happen. If I yeah. plan it, I'll do another year of half thinking about doing a podcast, which is what I did. Uh, and never getting around to it. So I'm sure at one point I definitely thought about contacting you two a long time ago and then didn't do it. And then it came back around again. So that's just a wasted year. If I just did it off the top of my head when I thought about it, you know, midnight or whatever time it was, doesn't matter. Uh, next day, reply, dealing with it now. And mm-hmm. then things things happen. So I, like I've always, not always, but I've, I've learned that that's a better thing for me. And um, my, maybe it's personality type or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I find that it's, I'm more disciplined if I, if some other person is relying on me for something or it's yeah. now it's out there with another person and coming back to me that I've provoked it, the situation, but it's yeah. not like me having to rely on sitting and having this uh, vision in my head that I'm executing on every day and sticking to it. That just won't happen for me. So like, I think a lot of people try those systems of discipline and stuff, especially new year, they're trying things that just are not suited to them and they should do it more this way. Just what's the little thing you can do that involves someone else that their reaction will take you a little bit closer to whatever it is you're wanting to do. Uh, so yeah. easy now when you can just message anyone. I think I do a similar thing. Uh, I create the problem by, like for with the sea urchin thing, I basically, I waited. It, I, I waited so long that I saw the time and realized I was about to miss it. So it was that, it was that waiting that created the problem that I had to react because it's either now or never. And so it was, it, it, maybe that was destined to be, maybe that's just how it always had to be. I had to wait until the last moment. Uh, and, and then it was, you know, either I go now or I just miss it. I do that a lot with work. Uh, you know, I'll, uh, I'll kind of like, uh, take, I'll take, uh, like I'll go somewhere to write and I won't take my power cord because I know that the battery will, will be dying. And I'll see that thing ticking down and I'll have to just, it's now or never. I have to just cram it in in the time allotted. Um, so I, I guess that's my method. I've, you know, I, I don't know that it's a good or healthy method, but it works. Definitely works. Yeah. That was my method in college for writing papers was uh, wait till the very last minute. Like I knew I could uh, get a certain number of like pages done in a certain amount of time, like whatever, three pages an hour. Yeah. And uh, I'd pretty much take it down to the wire almost every time up to like the day before. I mean, you know, when the paper's coming, you know, you have a paper due in four weeks, but I wouldn't write it till the night before. Uh, like write it, research everything. And um, I got pretty good grades, so it worked out and uh yeah, I don't really do that so much anymore. I don't really write papers anymore. But uh, yeah, in terms of work things, I I tend to go more Kevin style, where it's like as soon as it pops into my mind, I, I take care of it as opposed to waiting to the last minute. Um, just the nature or what was the nature of my work, it worked out a lot better if I took care of things up front as opposed to waiting for a deadline. But I guess I've done it both ways. Yeah. 
forget what, what were we even talking about? Maybe my brain fog is kicking in now. The COVID fog. The syphilis fog. Yeah, I'm just writing down the time so I know when to edit that word out now. <laughs> oh, we're doing things out of order. What are you what are you drinking today, Eric? Uh I was drinking some uh uh, Korean red ginseng tonic and onion juice. Get these, get these down at the local Korean market. Yeah. And uh, a really disgusting tea I made that uh, I wouldn't recommend. It was uh, it was actually a Christmas gift I got for my wife. She didn't like it. It was a like a calming tea blend, you know, with about nine different herbs, and it just. It, it's awful, you know, it tastes really bad, but usually I can choke things down. Okay. And, uh, but I made the mistake of adding salt to this one, you know, doing that. Still reading, still reading that, uh, the, the Mongol stuff. So the salt tea is still in my head and it was, yeah. it was really bad. So I, I finished it though. Um, and then I'm about to have some, uh, some tuna. Good. Tuna is a good drink. Yeah, it's good. I like it. Refreshing. What about you guys? Kevin? Um, I was drinking, well, I've got water now, but I was drinking uh, cocoa with uh, a little bit of goat's milk and uh, lots of honey. And it's just down to the remnants of the honey in it now. Nice. You make that cocoa yourself? It's your own blend? Just cocoa powder? Just cocoa powder, yeah. Uh, I, haven't, I used to drink a lot of it, but uh, when I was coming, I was... Try to break a caffeine habit a long time ago. Like, you know, like two at that point, I was drinking like four, five, six cups of coffee a day. It was too much. And uh, so I went on to cocoa and I was drinking a lot. Uh, and um, I only really started drinking it again recently uh, just because I wanted something else to put honey in, actually. I'm just, it's like a, the honey is just a gateway honey. drug to, to all these different things now. No, everything you, is a gateway. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, have I oh. talked on here about that the hot chocolate that I made I know I shared a picture of it on Twitter but it's really good and if I haven't I'll, I'll explain it again what I take is um, there's a there's a chocolate from Trader Joe's it's called like Moctezuma's or something and uh, it's 100% cacao with cacao nibs oh, um, yeah. So I take that and I smash it up. Uh, so it's all broken apart. I put it in a mug with um, cinnamon, uh, ashwagandha, and what else do I put in there? That might be, oh, and a little bit of cayenne pepper. And then uh, I put heavy cream on there and then I boil water and then pour the hot water over it, it melts all the chocolate and you uh, uh, whisk it all together and it tastes like hot chocolate. You could add a sweetener too, but it's actually excellent. And um, it's healthy too. So uh, it's a good way to make a hot chocolate. Yeah. How's that ashwagandha? How much you it's put nice. In oh, uh, two capsules, whatever that is. Okay. So I don't know. It, yeah. The 
I get some like weird brand or the one I have now is some weird brand from Amazon. And uh, I just break open the capsules and put the powder in there. Um, yeah. And it's, it's nice. You definitely feel it or get a, um, I don't know, an effect from the ashwagandha and probably the other stuff in there too, but it's delicious. Yeah. Everyone should try I love that cinnamon cayenne chocolate mix. That's a beautiful combo, you know? Yeah. That's good. I got a buddy who sent me something one time with that type of stuff in it. I think it was pretty good. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Like anyway, my drink today is uh, it's just a lemon seltzer. So nothing fancy like gross tea or yeah. hot chocolate. A cocoa for me. When we're, uh, there's this, there's this really good brand of, uh, this ashwagandha paste that, uh, is made locally in Hawaii. I'll have to, uh, we'll have to pick some up when we go. It's really good. Yeah. It's like a, yeah. What's the, uh, an Ayur, it's an Ayurvedic recipe, I guess, you know, like Indian traditional medicine that's supposed to enhance the, the effects. It's really, really tasty. I was surprised ashwagandha can have a really earthy flavor, but it works. It tasted good. I mean, the, the only stuff I've had, it tastes like dirt, like a root out of the dirt. Well, it's good. I mean, you know, they, they throw in some honey, but honey helps. Um, blended with like uh, ghee and coconut oil, uh, turmeric. Oh, so it's you know, the paste. It's not like pure. No, it's yeah. It's it's like the top ingredient, but they blend it with a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, mm. more palatable. Mm -hmm. What else were we talking about? Um, Again, my brain fog is moving in, or I'm just tired. I can't tell. Well, the thing you were talking about, the difference between uh, like theory and then the action. So like if you're at some point, if you're learning something, you have to just do it rather than you know, learning about it or whatever. But I think part, part of that's maybe like a deeper uh, split people have in them. That is their inner speech is separated from their actions. So like we, it's like deeper than just learn. It's not like a habit of just learning and not doing. It's more that we, you know, words are, I'm assuming originally were instrumental. So like the words were for doing things. Were you, you were tools, words were tools to do things. And then we kind of, you know, and however recently, uh, words became ends in, the, ends in, in themselves. And we just like words about words about words. And you don't need to do anything with them. So we're kind of, um, kind of lost in the theory and not the practice of things and part of the problem part of the task for people is to to bring their their speech about things you know their internal dialogue or what they say out loud again this is similar to it brings about to new year's resolutions and connecting that with the actions that they want to do because if you spend your whole life just talking in your head and it doesn't really mean anything and it doesn't translate into actions uh 
or even stories. You're just kind of it's just random stuff and neurotic stuff a lot of the time. Uh, you're training yourself to th- think that theory and induction are separate. That the studying of the thing or the saying you're going to do the resolution is the thing because it's no longer connected to the actual thing. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's as if a person lives in a, um, it's as if so, like the person lives in a constant level of ab- abstraction separate from reality. Or that, I mean, not that it's separate from reality, but it's it's just a level of ex- abstraction right outside reality all the time. And they never actually, never is harsh, but uh, they, they never make that crossover into doing actual things. Yeah, they don't close the loop because you really should be, there's the things you're doing and then you use speech, whether with people or in your own head to organize what it is you're doing or plan what you're doing or figure things out. And then you go back to doing the thing. Whereas we're just kind of lost in that middle. It's kind of this, the speech and the thinking about it and studying that should be the middle phase. But it's became the main phase for a lot of people where you're just learning one thing and then another thing. And you get these guys that are just reading hundreds of books a week. It's like, uh, it's not, there's something fragmented or unintegrated as we disintegrate that we always talk about. Uh, and it just it just seems like that's like a uh, such a deep thing in people that it's not surprising that they don't actually uh, start doing the th- when they want to learn something. It's not a surprise they don't actually just start doing the thing first rather than going into all this endless analysis and um, research, which is which are necessary, but they're not the the end in itself. I mean, right. I've been going over um, this loads of times, you know, I mean, I'm like, I'm not judging other people. This is something I've had to f- notice and figure out and struggle through for myself as well as seeing it for other people. Yeah, but there's a um, a word that Nassim Taleb used in, I think it was anti-fragile. Um, it was uh, tinkering, like there's tinkerers and like that, that's what you should be doing to explore or try out ideas is just tinkering around and figuring out what works, what fits in what places and all that. And uh, if you live in that abstract research heavy or book heavy world, uh, you never actually tinker around with things or get that deep into them or figure out what problems you have. They're all just uh, manufactured problems in your head as opposed to real problems that reality uh, shows you. Yeah, you can't really tinker because if it's if the words are in the book, it's already fixed. It's like the solutions are there. You you're not like the the living is between the words or between the books. It's not it's not like a mixture of all the things you've read. It's do, then you're doing the thing, and um, there's an interaction between what you've learned about. But if you're if it's there's no sort of messiness if you're just going by the book or you're trying to apply, it's just backwards. It's the only way to describe it, it's upside down. Yeah. Speaking of tinkering, uh, tinkering around with things, how's your project on using your opposite hand as for the mouse? Still doing it, doing it right now. 
So here's that. Is it working out well? Yeah, it's got more. I still find myself with weird habits with it. I still find myself sometimes I'm, I raise my hand. So like I haven't, it's like really taken a long time to to wide it together, you could say. But I'll still find like I'm maybe kind of pulling my hand, um, raising the sort of thumb side up when I'm using it and stuff. It's weird. Uh, but I've stuck at it and uh, it's Do you notice better. any crossover elsewhere? Um, no, but I can definitely say I've been a lot more productive the last two weeks than I have been in a long time. But that could be other factors. I don't know if this is related to it or not. But there's like built into the, the muscle memory or whatever, your neurons. There's lots of times my right hand and my brain are connect are wired together with the motion of clicking on some distracting website or doing some wasting time on something that this little click goes, you know, there's so many little associations, even from just like a hypnotic point of view of repeating the same thing, you know, classical conditioning or whatever, there's the operant conditioning, whichever it doesn't matter. The, that's a lot of that stuff's been broken. So definitely less destruct, doing less destructive things. It's really peculiar. Wouldn't have, didn't expect that at all. I was really just doing it. So I had more space on my desk. It was totally practical. Uh, but again, that's like an interesting thing is you, you do something practical. It seems purely physical placement of things. And then you, it sets a whole train of understanding, uh, like a, oh, there's a whole sort of mental aspect that you didn't even realize. Um, and then the next minute you're talking about it on a podcast. <laughs> um, and really, it was just simply about having somewhere to put my drink without knocking it onto the computer. That was it. Funny how that works. Mm-hmm. Guys, I hate to uh, run, but I, I got to go. I got to go right now. Um, cool. Well, we'll call it. We'll call it a day here because it's late. Long, it's late yeah. for me anyway. So because okay. we're later tonight anyway. So um, we'll stop here. Uh, All right. So well, uh, I appreciate you guys giving me the uh, bandwidth to kind of talk out some of the things I've been thinking about. Well, we'll call the ep- oh, you're welcome. We'll call the episode something to do with your your thing, Keith, because I think it's useful for people yeah. listening to this to know what you're doing and what you're planning. Because yeah, the me type of too. People who write for you and that are that you're right for them are going to be listening to this, obviously. Well, you know, some of them, and uh, it makes sense because people will. People are looking for solutions for these things all the time. And the problem mm-hmm. is like guys like us aren't forcing it down people's throats because we're not like marketing types. We're not marketer types. We're not, um, you know, sales guys. So right. we're, we're not reaching as many people as we could be. And I think we have a better yeah. thing for, for the, a certain type of person for definite. It's just without yeah. question. Um, so let's talk about it more. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Glad you've right, uh, Keith, just uh, you know finished that antibiotics course and you should be good. All right. Appreciate it, Doctor Eric. Thank you. Yeah. I hope you get over your reducted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool, guys. Have All a right. good one. Take That's care. Bye. Good time. We'll see you. Good to see you.